You are listening to the Life Church podcast. To learn more about Life Church, our gathering times at any of our central Indiana locations, or our Life Crew online, visit us at lifechurchin.com or follow the link in the description. Today's talk is from Pastor Nathan Peternell. So if you would turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, 1 through 14. I want to ask you a question today. Um, Have you ever waffled on whose advice to you is better? Have you ever had a situation in your life that you're like, hey, I, I need to get this one right, and you talk to this group of people and they tell you one thing, you talk to this group of people and they tell you another, and then you're, you're, you're in that valley of decision on what you're going to do. Okay, that's going to happen in a, young, in a young king's life today. We're going to kind of see that. And it is the, the king we're talking about is Absalom, who is David's rebellious son, who killed his brother whenever he saw his sister raped, and he has rebelled against his father. He is willing to commit what's called patricide, which is when you kill your own father. That he's, he's looking to kill his own father. That is, that's his plan. And David is now on the run where we find ourselves in 17. And he has most of the people who were loyal to him have gone out with him. But there have been a few select people that are on the inside and they're playing spies. And so this is going to come down to a battle of advice in the, in the narrative we're going to look at today. But let me tell you a story. Um, when I first came to Eagle Creek, when I first came to Indianapolis, this is the church that I served at. I was 21 years old. I was three weeks away from marrying my wife, Christina. And, uh, and I sat down. It was, I think it was the, 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 like the 21st day of May 1999. Back here where Pastor Mike Michael has his office. That was my office. And I, I went in there. And see, there was a man that had bothered me. And his name was my future (laughs) father-in-law. He was, um, actually, I had lived in an apartment with him. I was frustrated with him. Um, I had gone after his youngest daughter. I was going to marry his youngest daughter. He had never had any of his daughters get married. And how many know daddies don't like it to give up their baby girl? So he was naturally fighting against me. And, uh, and, 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 and there were different things because I also served in his church. They were just, I was, you know, young and I had my own mind of how things should go. And he's older and he had his mind of how things should go. And he came from a Lebanese background with three daughters and he was the daddy and whatever he said happened. And I came from a German kind of background and I was, I was used to, you know, like three brothers and we tried to turn Donya into a brother. And, 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 I mean, we, we were used to, you know, a, a different way. It was okay in my family if we argued with authority. It was all right as long as you did so respectfully, right? And so he and I were kind of at odds. And I remember sitting down in that room on my very first day here in the office at Eagle Creek. And I, I knew I was going to have to deal with him because, man, he was really, there was a problem going on between he and I. We did not get along. And you don't just marry a person, you marry the whole family, right? 
And, and so I had something that needed to be dealt with. I sat down in there, and if some of you know Trudy Wells, that's, uh, that's uh, Tim Toller and Becky's you know, sister. She was, a, a, uh, uh, she was our, our office administrator at that time. She was sitting right outside my desk, and I remember that I had a hot, a hot argument with my future father-in-law on the phone. I think I, I, I was so mad and I know that when I get so mad, my voice tends to go up in intensity. And, I could, and then I, got, I hung up the phone. I mean, I'm boiling. And I'm thinking, I wonder what the people right outside my door think of this new pastor they just hired. <laughs> and so I walked out, and I was kind of quiet, and I went, that could have gone better. <laughs> right? like, uh, that, I, 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 I was so upset, and maybe you, some of you can identify with this. You have the natural tendencies of your own heart, and you think you're right at first. So I decided what I was going to do is I was going to write him a letter, a strongly worded letter. I was going to tell him everything I thought about all the situations that had happened that had led up to my frustration with him. And I did. I, I wrote that letter. And I called my mom. I was living over at the Oaks of Eagle Creek, across from the Colts Complex. And I called my mother. And I told her all about the situation. And I told her what I was going to do. And my mom was real quiet. How many know my mother? Yeah, okay. You, you're going to like this. So I'm real quiet. Or she's real quiet. I'm hot. And... Um, and I, I, I read the letter, and it's about seven pages. <laughs> Front and back, no spaces. And so I, I, read, I read this letter, and when I did, my mother, she said, okay, Nathan. She said, why don't you sleep on it? I said, okay, Mom. I'll sleep on it. <laughs> so... I woke up the next day, and my mother, she called me that morning. And, and I had a little fireplace in that apartment. And, um, and she said, Nathan, did you send the letter? And I said, no, not yet, Mom. And she said, I have some advice for you. Go over to that little fireplace that you have and burn that letter. She said, when you burn it, and the smoke goes up, let all of your anger and your frustration with your future father-in-law go up. And like the prayers, that's what smoke is supposed to remind us of. It's supposed to go up. I want you to pray for him and just let it all go. And I started to cry. Because I knew she was right. <laughs> and I knew that was not what I wanted to do. Everything in my flesh wanted to do something different, but that was the right thing to do. And so I went over there, I lit that thing on fire, and I prayed, and I watched it all go up in flames. Now, there's another part of that story, because three weeks later, I, first, I served my first three weeks single here at Life Church, and then I went to go marry Christina. And when I married her, the day we got married, her dad was being a pistol that day. And so badly that my groomsmen wanted to beat up the father of the bride. 
That's not good, right? It was just a struggle, and I remember that I knew I was going to have to talk to him, and I would call him Pastor Boz at that time, and I said, I called him, and I said, Pastor Boz, could we talk? It was about maybe two hours before the wedding, maybe three, and I said, could we talk? And so we got together, and we were standing face to face, and I said, Pastor Boz, today's going to happen. I'm going to marry Christina, and I know that's hard for you. But could I ask you if we, you and I, we could make this day about her and not about you or me and how we may struggle with one another? And um, he got real, like, he's kind of an intense person too. He's in heaven now, but he's still intense, I'm sure. <laughs> and he, he said, oh, Nathan, he, he said, he said, it's, it's good. He said, you're never going to have any more problem with me ever again. That's, that's what he said. And I, I had told him, I said, I promise that I'll do everything in my power to make sure that your daughter and any kids that come from this marriage will make heaven their home. I promise you I'll do that. And he said, he said, you'll never have a problem from me again. Then in our wedding, he ends up reading us, because we had parental blessings as a part of our wedding. He ends up reading us almost like 20 minutes of blessing. I'm like, who is this guy, right? <laughs> Do you know that I became my father-in-law's golden son from that day forward? How many know that the best advice I could have possibly gotten was my mother's say, burn that letter? What would have happened if I'd have sent that letter? Oh, my goodness. And, and so we have people in our life. How many have ever needed, you've needed some good advice? You might not have abided by it when it came. But you know that somebody, somebody's advice could make all the difference in the world in your life if you just listen to it. That's, that's actually what we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about the relationships that come with advice because it's so important in our life. Let's look at this young man. Turn to verse 1, and it says, Furthermore, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Please let me choose 12,000 men that I may arise and pursue David tonight. David has just run. Um, he's, he's just left Jerusalem. He has certain people loyal to him. He, the, the advice of Ahithophel has just been to this young king, take his concubines up on the rooftop and sleep with them in the sight of all of Israel so that you'll make your name a stench and everyone will know there's no reconciliation that will ever happen between father and son. And he goes and does it. And then he comes back to that same counselor who was so wise in his counsel that it was as if you were talking to God. That's how smart this counselor Ahithophel was. Not in terms of righteousness, but in terms of savviness. And there's a difference. And so he tells him, let's not wait to allow David to get situated. Let's get, give me 12,000 men tonight, and I will hunt him down, and I will kill him. Ahithophel knows that if David is able to get up on his feet that's a totally, that is a, that is a different scenario that can happen. The enemy knows in our life to press an attack against us before we can get things in order in our life. 
The best way to defeat you as a Christian is to keep you off balance. And so, you know, you got to get your sea legs on you in a storm. That's one of the greatest ways to counterattack the enemy when he tries to bring chaos into our lives. Because order in your life is a weapon against the devil who is trying to devour you. Order is incredibly important to a Christian's life. Why did we spend 21 days in prayer and fasting? Order. Let's get things in order. Let's set 24 totally, totally as, as you know, we're going to do something great. And I'm telling you what, can I tell you, I, I did for the first time in my life, I did the 21 day, I, I fasted for 21 days. You could tell I'm skinnier. I lost 20 pounds over those 21 days. It was the best thing I have done for my personal walk with God in 25 years. I feel closer to Jesus than I ever did before, and something happened on day eight, folks. I'm telling you, on day eight, there was a breaking inside of me. There was some kind of, I just felt like chains began to fall off, and all of a sudden, I, I don't know what happened, but I was hit with organization. Like, do you know, they say that in your, your, your second week of fasting, you get this clarity. If you knew me all my life, I've been given to, um, it, to, to oh, I almost said prostitution, which is the wrong word. <laughs> I've been given to procrastination. Totally different word. Totally different word. Different concept, never given to prostitution. Okay, so procrastination, I have been given to I, like, I just take a long time to get started. And then, and then I, you know, I don't know if anybody, like, maybe you're like me. You, you struggle with some of that stuff. But all of a sudden, I got such clarity in my life in that second week. And I was like, okay, that needs to be organized. And I could do that. And I could probably take care of that problem. And I probably need to move money over here so I can make sure that that's prepared for this thing coming up. It was like my whole brain went into focus. Can I tell you something? When we could get order beginning to happen in our life, Oh, that come, that's what comes against dysfunction. You can't just pray about something. You got to start putting some things into order. Devil does not want us to get there, and neither does Ahithophel want David to be able to get anything in order. I will come upon him while he is weary. Notice this. It's like words of the devil speaking. I will come upon him when he is weary and exhausted, and I will terrify him so that all the people who are with him will flee, and then I will strike down the king alone. The enemy's plan is to attack you while you are tired and to get you alone or isolated. Friendship and accountability are two marks of a well-ordered life. And they are two of your best defenses that you can have against the enemy's plan to destroy you. We tend to group together with like-minded people. If you're a warrior, you tend to seek out warriors. If you're a victim, you tend to seek out victims. If you're apathetic, you seem to find those people that look at the world through the same lens. If you were to look, I read a book here recently, great book called Tribe of Millionaires, highly recommended to you. But they have this question, 
It says, if, it's, it's, if you were to take your top 10 people that you spend time with, and you were to say, I think they probably make this in way of salary, you will probably find your salary is at the average of those 10 people. If you were to take 10 people, and you looked at their health, and you examined their health and what you thought their health was, you will probably be in the average of those 10 people and how they live their life in a health, in a, in a health manner. Because there's this power in who we group with. It just, it just makes all the difference in the world. Those who are your friends are some of the most, that is some of the most important people to determine the success in your life. David has mighty men of valor all around him. They are the mighty men of valor because they stick together through thick and thin. You know, true friends will not abandon you in your hour of need. Instead, they surround you. They pray for you. They counsel you. They correct you. And they uphold you. True and healthy friendships make you stronger. They make you more secure. They make you more disciplined. And they push you towards greater and greater levels of godliness and, and orderly growth in your life. When I started fasting for the 21 days of prayer, there were five of us. We got together, we formed a little text thread together, and we said our first goal is seven days. Every one of us made it to seven days. Why? Because we were checking on each other. We were encouraging one another. We were saying this is important to all of us. Look what... Ahithophel says, he says, I will bring back all the people to you and return to, uh, the return of everyone depends on the man we seek, then all the people will be at peace. He knows that for Absalom's kingdom to be established, David has to die. The enemy always seems to promise, I'm only after this one person. There's not going to be any collateral damage with who I'm going over, but he's a liar. Everything he says is a lie. He will mix truth and a lie because that's how you get a deception. You cannot be deceived by something that is so absolutely stupid to believe. But you will be deceived by a well-crafted deception that has both truth and a lie. That's how he works. But you can't trust a liar, amen? amen. The enemy claimed that he was just after Jesus. But if he could cut down Jesus... When you strike the shepherd, all the sheep are scattered, right? So Jesus had to make sure that he did everything perfectly leading up to the cross. And so this young king, Absalom, look in verse 4, so the plan pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. A rebellious heart like Absalom's will listen to the lies of the enemy and will gather rebellious consensus about its wisdom. And boy, didn't we see that in COVID. We saw a whole lot of consensus over lies. A rebel spirit that means to supplant a true king and not to submit to him, you, you'll, you'll notice that they gather like-minded people to them. And if anybody should speak up and say anything other than what they have said, they will attack that person. That person does not have the right to speak. What we saw during that time was, was an attack upon free speech. We say, oh, we follow the science, and we wouldn't even listen to any other science except for what the party line was. 
I tell you, if we're not learning from what we go through, then we're fools. Make no mistake, militarily speaking, Ahithophel, his counsel was right on. And it would have finished David off. Absalom, he he probably thinks he's so wise because he's going to do something in the next verse that's kind of out of the ordinary. He's been listening to Ahithophel. He's been with him lock, stock, and barrel. But now Absalom thinks himself wise when he calls for a second opinion. And this was just the sort of foolish mistake that God was going to use. Look at verse 5. It says, And Absalom said, Now call Hushai the archite also, and let us hear what he had to say. Remember, Hushai was the one that David said, Look, I want you to stay in Jerusalem. You're my friend. I want you to pose as you're going to be on Absalom's side, but I need you to be integrated in the group. I need to hear what they're thinking in the court. And I need, and he prayed a prayer, if you remember. He said, oh Lord, please do whatever you need to do to thwart the counsel of Ahithophel. And the, the prayer that he prayed for God to do that was done through a friend who was perfectly positioned. He says, now call this guy. He was known as the friend of the king, but now he's in the court of Absalom. And Hushai is, is actually, he's loyal up to the gills to David. He's David's implanted spy for the purpose of subverting the council of Ahithophel. The single mission he's there to do is don't let Ahithophel's wisdom win. And when Hushai had come to Absalom, Absalom said to him, Ahithophel has spoken thus. Shall we carry out his plan? If not, you speak. And so Hushai says to Absalom, this time the advice of Ahithophel, is, the advice he's given is not good. God's wisdom is in opposition to the enemy's wisdom in our life. If you just talk to people in the world, they'll tell you, this is what you do. This is how it's done. Borrow up to, uh, 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 up to the highest level you can borrow. Use your credit cards. You probably won't even have to pay them back anyway. Take as many student loans as you possibly can do. Make sure you spend all your, 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 your money on college and don't give the trades any look. Like there's all kinds of things that the world will say and everybody just accepts it. But God's wisdom many times is in opposition to what, to what the world would say. And so God's wisdom comes to those who are wholeheartedly devoted to his will. Moreover, Hushai said, you know your father and his men. Now, it's funny to me that every time Hushai seems to speak to Absalom, he always brings him back to, this is your dad. Because Absalom wants nothing to do with his dad. He wants to kill his dad. And Hushai keeps using the words, your father, your father. Like he's trying to go, come on, kid, you could turn this thing around. I'm giving you every chance to get off of this, this, this highway to hell that you're on. But he says this, you know that your father and his men, they are mighty men. They are fierce like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. And your father is an expert in warfare, kid. 
and he will not spend the night with the people. Now, there's an illustration. You know that God made nature to do what nature does. And when there's an illustration, I know I'm actually a bear hunter. Is there anyone in this room who's gone bear hunting before? Okay, we got one up there. All right. Anybody else? Okay. Okay. You got to learn your prey. I want you just to see from nature what a mama bear protecting her cubs. How many have ever called yourself a mama bear? Okay. Look and see what God has made and what he puts in you when you're defending your children, ladies. Check this out. Mama is smaller. If that big male wants to kill her, he can do it. He, she cannot win physically speaking. You saw her little cub back there? Here's what's happening in nature. The big male comes in. He wants to kill the cub. When he kills the cub, then the female will go back into heat, and then he can mate with her. So he has to kill the cub. She will die for that cub. And so her best defense is not her size. It's how ferocious she is. Mamas, come on. You're feeling good about yourself right now, aren't you? She has got more to lose. And she is smaller, but she's extremely ferocious. She'll fight to the death. She doesn't care about herself. And she will attack first to show her opponent that it's not worth coming in her direction because I'm going to make you pay even if I die doing it. And many humans have actually walked up on bear before, little cubs, and they think they're so cute and they think they're alone. They're never alone. Mama is there. Yeah, you might outnumber David, Hushai's saying, but you can't out-ferocious him. There's no substitute. How many know, some of those of you who are older, how many know there's no substitute for experience? No substitute, especially in war. And Hushai warns Absalom of the craftiness of his father, so he tries to dispel any chance that this quick frontal attack is somehow going to work against David. And he tells him, David, surely not with the mass of his army. You're going to be attacking. You're, you're, you're going to be attacking, but you're not going to find him. David's no random king. Think about it, kid. 
David is the champion of Israel, and he's never lost a battle. Behold, he's now hidden himself in one of the caves or in one of the other places. And it will be that when you fall upon him in the first attack, it's not going to go the way you want. Whoever's going to hear about it is going to say there's been a huge slaughter amongst the people who follow Absalom. I like warfare. I I, got to be honest. I enjoy it. I like games that are strategic. I like all that stuff. I've read Sun Tzu's art of war. Here's what he says. He says, all warfare is deception. When you're weak, you act strong. When you're strong, you act weak. And Hushai knows that David in his running is on his heels. He is weak. And so it's best to scare the young king with the legend of the old king. Just scare him. Give David a little time to mount his defense, to just work out getting his feet underneath of him. He gives Absalom back what Absalom is bringing against David. Absalom is is breathing all this fear and intimidation against David, and now Hushai has given Absalom a little taste of his own medicine. He says, oh, look, how about a little intimidation come your direction? Fear division and doubt is being sown into Absalom's mind. What would happen if you go into your first battle and you lose Absalom? What's that going to say about everybody who follows you? They're not going to trust you. You've never been on a battlefield. You're trying to take out the greatest warrior Israel's ever known. Are you sure? Don't you want to be more sure? You can't get this one wrong, kid. I love it whenever intimidation is blasted back at the enemy because how many know that's what he attacks us with? Here's here's something you need to know. The enemy has power, but he doesn't have authority. He comes to tell you he could take you out, but in truth, you have the authority to take him out. And I, you know, if you look at, go back to when David faced Goliath, if you remember, Goliath says, hey, you little punk, I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And David turns, takes the exact same words at 17 years old, and he says, hey, you big loaf, I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Nobody had ever talked to Goliath that way. I'll bet you any money there was a little bit of a pang of fear that went right down his spine. That's how you should talk to the devil. You should come right back at him. And so, even the one who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will completely lose heart. For all Israel will know that your father is a mighty man, and those who are with him are valiant men. You're not just going to lose a battle, young King Absalom. You're going to lose all the confidence and the support of the kingdom if you go and lose this battle. Everybody, everybody knows that you never count David out. His reputation is that he doesn't lose. But I counsel that all of Israel be surely gathered to you. From Dan to, Be- to Beersheba, as the sand of the, uh, uh, that is by the sea in abundance, that you personally don't send Ahithophel alone, you personally lead them out. No, King Absalom, 
Make it that no one can deny your ability to lead. Embarrass your father. Show that you don't underestimate him, that you're so wise that you're going to harness the full power and strength of Israel against this former great king. And then take your time and do it right. Be sure that everyone who is anyone is on your side. Win the popularity contest. Make everyone confess that you're their king by going out with you side by side into the battle. If you want to be the champion, Absalom, you got to beat the champion. You don't know. You don't, you, don't, you don't want everybody else to get credit for this victory. You lead the victory. Let it be said that Absalom, not Ahithophel, defeated the great King David. And so... We shall come upon him when he's in one of those places that he can be found. And we'll fall on him as the dew falls on the ground. And of him and all of his men who are with them, not even one will be left. Let's not just kill one man. Let's kill them all. We'll show that David is not to be feared. We'll find and destroy him utterly. And, and this it's going to drive the message to all the kingdom that if anybody chooses any other side than King Absalom, it's death to them. And if you appear to even support, if you even support any of Absalom's enemies, you'll be squashed. Look what he says in verse 13. If he withdraws to a city, then all of Israel shall bring the ropes upon that city and will drag it into the valley until not one, one small stone shall be found there. He's saying, if anybody aids or abeds the enemy of Absalom, the whole city will perish. Talk about cancel culture. Not just perish, they're not going to remember that these people ever existed. We will send a message to all that you are the king and no one can oppose you. Now, what has he done? He has appealed to the pride of this young man. Watch verse 14. Then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. And says, here's what the, the, the scribe wants you to understand. For the Lord had ordained to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring calamity upon Absalom. This appeal caught the prideful the wounded, the rebellious, and the insecure king and his leaders, just like him, caught them just right. The Bible says that pride goes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Hushai played upon their weakness. He spun the opportunity for them to get more grandeur, and they swallowed it bait, hook, line, and sinker. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you ever struggle with the counsel of your friends? Do they ever lead you into bad situations? Do you ever notice more and more problems seem to stack up the more and more that you're around them? Are your friends good for you? Do they lead you to do good? Do they confess faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his way of living? Here's some parting thoughts that I want to leave to you concerning this very important question of the company that you keep. Because whether we know it or not, our friends, they influence us big time. 
And they are giving us advice about how we live and what's normal and what we should do. I think if we look at this story, we find out that God confounds the wisdom of the wise, doesn't he? God would much rather you go to him for wisdom than you go to an earthly man. God has a plan, and he, he's so wise, he has a plan for the destruction of evil. Anybody glad about that? He uses evil against the evil. He sets traps for his enemies. And God brings salvation from the least likely of places. Who'd imagined that in the very court of the rebellion that was going on, it would be subverted by the counsel of a true friend of David's. That would be the turning point of the whole war. Bad leaders will pull down people that are easily led astray. Are you easily led astray? Be careful of the company that you keep. Do you know that we realize this is so important that the second major component of how we father sons and daughters into the kingdom of God is connect to grow. And what do you know that today is Life Group Sunday? Today, you can make decisions about the, com the company that you keep. We have our, our life group sign-ups and, and, and our, our, our fair right out here after service. So, look, you listen to a message, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to make some good decisions about your friends, Amen. about the people you surround yourself with. Look, you got to do that because life groups are designed to give you a place to grow with all those who are charting their course and the people are growing to serve God in greater ways. This is where we're going. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they're in agreement? If you just walk beside someone, you have agreed to a speed. You have agreed to a destination. You've agreed to go and to stop. You've agreed to have some conversation. Just by walking together, you have to have some agreement. And the greatest agreement should be that the people that you surround yourself, that they are going after Jesus because they will either make you or break you. You got to surround yourself with those who know who the true king really is. And Jesus is our king. Who was the true king of Israel at that time? It's David. Who knows that? Who shy knows that? Some people... They think, are you telling us only to have Christian friends, Pastor Nathan? Like, shouldn't we have some unsafe friends in our life? Yeah, I think you should have some unsafe friends. Absolutely. Just don't let them counsel you on the important stuff. Because they don't start with Jesus as Lord. If they don't get that right, they lack wisdom. Amen. Take your counsel from those who know who the real king are and who are providing by their lives and their actions that they have enthroned him themselves. Man, what I want you to do today is I want you to sign up for a life group. I want every single find a life group, get there, build relationships, dedicate this next season, put things into order in your life. Yes, you need to be in church every Sunday. Yes, but you need to be in a life group every season. So get there, prioritize it. God uses good friendships 
in our life to answer our prayers, just like the one he prayed to God. Oh, God, confound the wisdom of Ahithophel. And God did that through a friend. Through a friend. You know, I th- I'm thinking about Hushai. I think Hushai is a type of the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about it. He knows who the real king is. He's loyal to him. He's working always behind the scenes. He knows who we need. He is our powerful. Do you know that this is what it's said about the Holy Spirit? It says that he is our helper and he is our war counselor. That's a pretty awesome thought. How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit today? Are you cultivating a closer walk with the Lord? I'm going to invite our prayer team to come. Really consider the people closest to you. Make sure that you're getting good people in your life. Today is a day you can do something about that problem. I'm going to ask you to stand up on your feet. We're going to worship the Lord as we trust in the Lord. If you need prayer this morning, hey, we're here to pray for you. But please let your walk away steps be, I'm joining a life group today. Amen. God bless you. Let's worship the Lord together. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us, share with a friend, and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. Our mission is simple. Come to life, connect to grow, find your purpose, make a difference. Thanks for listening to the Life Church Podcast.